Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome to Thread, Season 3, Episode 12. Thread is God's Word, tying together all the pieces of your life as a person in ministry. It's a gathering place for believers who've committed themselves to the Lord's ministry, whether it's a formal or an informal form of service. You want God to use you to bring healing to other people, and in order to be that kind of person, you need a special spiritual diet, and that's what Thread is. We go verse by verse through God's Word. And in Season 3, we're moving through 2 Corinthians, the book about ministry. Today's Thread covers chapter 5, verses 1 through 8, and the topic, Do You Really Want to Go to Heaven? You know, if you ask people in church if they believe in heaven, and that it's the best life possible. Like to be there and to be living there is the very best life they that could be out there. And you'd say, do you believe this? And everybody in church would say, yes, I believe. Now let's add a second question. Okay, would you go there right now if you could? If I could promise you that if you stood at the altar of this church and you prayed really loud, Oh, Father, please let me die right now and go to you. If I could promise you that if you stand here today, uh, right in front of this altar in our church, and you pray that prayer, you will immediately drop dead where you stand. We've got a funeral home here, and they've got multiple guys here to help people out today. You just pray the prayer really loud. God, please let me die and go to you. You'll drop dead right where you stand, and you will enter heaven right now. Would you like to pray that prayer? And I just don't think you're going to get many takers. You know, we're very, very attached to this physical world. And we're very attached to life in our body. Uh, Sherry and I have six kids, and all six of our kids are great examples of fitness, but one is extremely devoted. And I was with her and a friend of hers, and I posed to them a related question. I said, what if I could promise you that after scientific analysis of your particular body, it had been determined that if you will gain 35 pounds of total blubber, you will actually achieve maximum health, and more importantly, your endorphins will just fire out at the highest level possible for you, which would mean that at that weight, you would be in total bliss. You will be happy content. You'll be high on life every day. Would you pack on 35 pounds of fat to have that state? You know, I don't know if I've ever seen a, been alive during a more body conscious time. I don't think so. And I doubt there's ever been a more body conscious culture than we have today. You know, on the, on the one hand, we probably don't say enough about our bodies in church. Uh, I know we don't say enough about taking care of God's earth, but even just the just the role of of being fit and the role of eating healthy and the role of of staying at our optimal health, how important that is. Uh, but, you know, the body, the body is how we all of us experience life. I'm talking to you right now and I need my lungs to breathe in and my lips to speak out and I need my mind to tell me what to say. And I've got my ears listening to my headphones and. I'm experiencing my life right now. I'm trying to reach through this device uh, and reach into your life. This is how we're experiencing our world. And this is even how we serve God. We serve God 
Physically, ministry is a physical thing. Our lips speak. We touch people with our hands. We make eye contact. You know, Jesus came in a body, and that's a vital doctrine. He came in a body, a fully physical body. He came to encounter us as humans who each have a body, and he came to die in a body so he could lay claim to all of our bodies. My body is part of who I am, but the Bible teaches us that we are more than our bodies. We're not just our body, and it's not just that my brain creates this uh, pretend awareness of myself and then I'm nothing but a physical being. That's not Christian doctrine. Uh, it's not even necessarily good science. Uh, my body is me, but I am more than a body. I have an unseen dimension to me. It's a soul. Some people believe we just have two parts. There's the, the whole inner invisible part. The part of you that's listening to me right now, the part that thinks, the part that's in me that's flowing out in words, that's my soul. And some people say, no, even in the soul, there's two parts. There's a soul and then there's a spirit. The spirit part, that's from, that's from God and that's why you live eternally. And I'm not going to talk about all that the, except to say there's two dimensions to us. We're not just uh, a, a, an animal. You know, we're not just a conscious animal that has reached uh, sentience and we believe we exist. We're more than that. We are a second thing. We are a physical thing and we are a non-physical thing. And they're both in us and they're both, they're both together somehow. You and I, actually, uh, even demons crave a body. You know, we know from the story of Jesus and uh, casting the demons out of the demoniac they wanted any kind of body, even a pig, you know, any body at all. It's something about the experience of this life in the, in the now, in this real world, through a body. It's an entirely different experience than just my, my spiritual side and whatever senses it has on its own. So I live in this body. The real me lives in this body, and this body is partially me. And through this body, you and I, uh, we're experiencing our world. And here's something else. You and I will always have a body, except for a possible brief time between the death of this physical body and our coming resurrection in a resurrection body. We will always have a body. You know, there's nothing in scripture that says we get wings and we become, you know, like angels. We're not. Where it's a human gospel about humans, physical humans, and the end of the story, really, we don't go to heaven anyway. The earth is recreated, and we, the earthlings, live on earth. And the shocking thing is, God moves here, and this becomes his dwelling place, too. A physical world uh, that is experienced through a body. Unfortunately... The body that we have right now is not a renewable resource. And we need to talk about the frailty of our body. And that's what this verse is about. It's about the breakdown of your body. The body is not a renewable resource. It is, it's, um, its strength is headed in only one direction. It goes from strength to weakness. And when you cross a line somewhere around your 18th year, 
something called the death clock kicks in and your body, which has been making you stronger every day, decides that, nope, you're strong enough and begins to remove strength from you little by little to lead you toward death. Um, it is our body is a temporary resource. It's an amazing resource. Thank God. I mean, the taste of food and all I don't think I've pondered nearly enough what my life is like because my spirit is in this body right now. It's a temporary resource and it is wearing out. I think we should be our body's best friend. And I think we should think of our body kindly as a faithful friend as our body ages. My body <laughs> has been such a faithful body to me. I mean, I have not slept it nearly enough. And uh, it has taken me all over this world. And I have put so much demand on my body, even physically. I've, I've been demanding on my body and I have, I've made it take me and engage people and interact all over the world. So I'm amazed that my body's lasted as long as it has. Paul says we're clay pots, easily broken, temporary, not intended to be permanent. In this chapter, Paul says, we live in a tent right now. You know, we, we, we have a dwelling place. My spirit, the invisible part of me that is real, that the minute it leaves this body, my body just falls like a sack to the ground. And they've even something, they've even uh, put bodies, you know, on scales. As you die, the moment of your death, there's a, a lifting. There is something lighter about a dead person. And um, so I'm in this body. I'm inhabiting it. But it this thing I'm inhabiting is actually more of a tent. You know, a tent is... Uh, my son, back, Nathan, backpacked the Appalachian um, Pacific Crest Trail. And that's... You know, you go all the way from Canada down to Mexico and through deserts and all this. And tents are pretty important. Uh, they're not in the same place any two nights, and you pop it up. It's real quick. It's not something you want to live in. But if it's raining outside or if it's freezing cold outside or if there are bugs outside uh, or snakes crawling around and you can get yourself in a tent and get all zipped up, it's an important asset. You know, Our body is an important asset. But it's a tent. It's not a permanent home. It's sort of like with our relationship with our body maybe is something like driving a used car. Uh, I was with some people on Sunday and our family, we were having a Bible study and we, I looked around and I realized every one of us drives a used car. And when you drive a used car, there are ways you can make this car last, you know, and you're crazy not to take care of it. Like my mom and dad, they have two cars, really high mileage. They just don't want to buy a new car and, but they keep their car in a garage and it's, they're just pristine. There's hardly even a scratch in their, on their car after all these years. You can make your car last longer, and you're crazy not to. I mean, think of all the ways a car opens up your world. What if you had no car, especially if you live in the West? America is not made for people that don't have cars. It opens your world up. But inevitably, no matter what you do for that old car that you love so much, one day the old car will stop. And it's just not going to be fixable. You know, you can you can keep pumping money into it, but um, it's it's had its day. It's kind of like the Hebrew concept of breath. You know, the word for breath 
of God is ruach. It's the same word for wind. And they, the concept is we enter this world in a body, but we have no breath. And we have to borrow God's ruach. It's the thing that makes the baby come to life. And all of us in the delivery room, we stare at this child and we wait to see this thing happen because we want to we want to watch his first breath, her first breath of borrowed spirit. They borrowed the breath of God and the child's now they're alive and everybody smiles. You know, he's breathing. She's breathing. Uh, But the last thing we'll all do is to give back that borrowed breath in a special kind of exhale that's called the death rattle. You know, our lungs are usually very smooth bellows. They're, They're slowly working in and they're slowly pulling out and they just never stop doing that. But things change with this last breath. And in our last breath, the whole body pushes it out and the lungs do not inflate again. It's the last breath and we've given back our borrowed spirit, our borrowed air, our borrowed breath, our body. We have frail bodies. Paul says our body, you know, in in the last chapter that we were in, he talked about uh, chapter 4, verse 16. He said, our outward man is perishing. It's a, it has a use-by date. It's perishable. Our cells don't keep replenishing. It, it, you know, it gets a moldy old body. There's, a, there's things about it that start to break down, and it won't come back. But it's, this is not the end of everything. And that's, that's what chapter 5 is about. And I'm trying to keep up my pace because I really want to talk about this part. You know, it's easy to talk about our bodies breaking down. But I listened to a uh, teaching a couple years ago. I was listening to a video, and it was Francis Chan, and he was chiding older people. I've never heard a younger person do this. Usually the only thing they say about older people is, you know, we honor you for your hard work, and we ought to listen to you more. But he said, you know, I've been going around older people's houses. I've been visiting, and... And I'm seeing these mighty saints of God. You guys used to be these great warriors. And now you're in retirement. And I go to your house and you're just, you know, if I can paraphrase, you're just, you watch prices Right and soap operas and you just sit and watch TV all day long. And you, you, you're becoming something so less than what you used to be. It ought to be, he told them, that the closer you get to, that tunnel and to that bright light at the end of it, that light should be attracting you to the next world. And you should be excited about this. And it should be that when you're really moving toward the end of your life, there's very little about this world that you desire and very much about the kingdom that you desire and that you are hungry and you are thirsty for what is coming to you. And uh, not many people get old that way. Not many people die that way. But if you ever meet somebody that does, they're going to leave an impact on you. At least they do on me. I am in the ministry today largely because of two people, Jim and Helen Mann, from Powder Springs, Georgia, who became missionaries when Jim was about 65 years of age. And he didn't get saved till a few years before that. And then they moved to Mexico and... Uh, never did learn Spanish all that well, got taken advantage of constantly, but I've never met people like them. I mean, they lived 
in an ongoing conversation with the Lord. They were in the presence of the Lord all day long. And they were the most normal. Actually, I stayed a summer with them. And it was my first year. And I knew I was called into ministry. And I was trying to prepare myself. And I was praying like three hours a day. And I was reading the Bible probably that much every single day. And finally, Jim pulled me aside. And he said, you are becoming very weird. He said, you're young. You're praying too much and you're reading your Bible too much. You ought to be out there swimming and playing and making friends. This is a summer and you're in Mexico and you're in a bedroom. You know, get out, go, go places. And, uh, but when I watched how Jim lived, you know, he would, he'd get tired in the heat of the day and he'd go to his bed and he'd be laying on his bed. He's talking to the Lord and then he'd drift in and out of sleep. And then he'd get up and he'd be walking around and he'd be talking to you, just common. And then if uh, every now and then he just we'd be talking about something and he'd bring the Lord into it and he'd go off, just kind of lose his uh, concentration on me for a minute, reconnecting to the Lord. If you ever caught him you know, out in the yard or somewhere by himself, he was in that place again. And um, people came to his house. They wanted to come to be with him in hell. And they'd eat food and they'd laugh and they'd joke around and they were just the most pleasant people. But he just lived in that presence of the Lord and both of them, as they neared their death, they weren't kicking and screaming and, oh, why me, why me? They were longing to see the Lord. And um, I'm trying to let this change me because Paul says in uh, chapter 5, Paul says, we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building, you know, it's not a tent, it's permanent. We have a building from God, a house, a thing for my spirit to live in, not made with hands. I, I don't think house is a good thing. It should be dwelling is a better translation. We have from God a dwelling that is eternal. And verse two, for this dwelling, we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Verse 3, he says, we don't want to die. It's not that we crave death. We groan, verse 4, because in this tent, we groan because we're burdened. We don't want to die, but we want to be clothed. We want our new body. We want mortality to be swallowed up by life. And God has given us the spirit as a guarantee that this will happen. So verse 6, we're always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident. Yes, we are well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Uh, I want to think like this. Paul is, it's kind of like, it's kind of like there's three versions. There's like me 1.0. That's me without Christ. And without Christ, I have no hope in this world. And I'm just floundering around trying to make a happy life out of it. Then I meet Christ. Okay, born again. Me 2.0. Now I'm with Christ, but I'm in this world. And I've got one foot in the kingdom and one foot in this world. And I'm doing ministry. I'm working with the Lord. That's what ministry is, to bring transformation to people. But I'm wearing out slowly. I'm wearing out in my drive. I'm wearing out in my body. My mind's not remembering things. I'm wearing down because of the friction of living. Okay, so me 1.0, 
Now I'm in me 2.0, which is awesome, but it's temporary and my body's breaking down. And Paul was genuinely excited about me 3.0, a new form of body evolved, transformed by the resurrection, a new body, a new physical world, a new mission for us to achieve. And most of all, physical contact with the Lord, physical contact with the Lord, not living as spirits in the world of the spirits, living a physical life, still eating food, still living on earth, but living now with physical contact with our father and with the son and with the Holy Spirit as they're all three in one, our God that we are uh, connected to by the spirit, the invisible, but real world becoming the visible world and the old world dissolving in fire. And then the rebirth of our planet. Paul was, he was thinking about this. This thing was drawing him. You know, I've had a prayer for years and I needed this prayer because I needed my sense of worth to be founded on the right things. And I've trained myself that the minute my mind goes online in the morning and I wake up, the first thing I think is, good morning, Father. I'm your son. And I've, I've prayed that for years, and that's done good work in me. I am now changing my prayer. And I'm, I'm making myself take a new prayer because I think I need, I need a change. Uh, I pray now, Father, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. I'm one step closer today. I'm coming to you. I want that work to be working me. We shouldn't see death like other people who have no hope. I was in a, I was in a church in Jamaica that we used to pastor and, and we had testimony night and this sister stood up and she said, I need all of you to pray for me. And we said, okay, why? And she said, I don't want Jesus to come. You know, I don't want the Lord to return. I am focused on my life here. And I don't want that interrupted. And and it's an innocent thing, but she rightly knew that there's something wrong with a believer who hangs on to this world with the you know the edge of their nails just clawing it as hard as they can. They will not leave it. Uh, they are they are as though they have no hope, as though they don't believe that 3.0 is going to be so much better. You know, 1.0. It was great to be alive. Even without Christ, at least I was alive. Then I'm in a new world. There's an old song. I'm in a new world since the Lord saved me. Me 2.0. Wow. I'm living that right now. And I am so grateful every single day of my life. I am grateful for me 2.0. Born again, transformed. Uh, temple of the Holy Spirit living in me. Now, 3.0. I don't even think about it. Honestly, I don't. And Paul does. He is thinking about 3.0 and he is genuinely excited. And there is a liberty from the pain that so many other people and even we ourselves focus on, you know, the pain of this life. But there's a liberty from that pain if you will let go of this world and quit treating it like it's your permanent place. Even your things. I mean, if our things get stolen or broken or lost or whatever, they are all passing away. It's all temporary. And if we can just accept that and let it go and stop looking at this world as our permanent place, accept the reality 
of how things are and see where things are headed and throw our hearts completely behind God's agenda. To the point that, the end of this passage, verse 8, Paul says, We prefer to be present with the Lord. Now, do you really want to go to heaven? We prefer to be present with the Lord. And I think, I think that prayer, come quickly, Lord Jesus, is in the Bible because it's good medicine. Almost no one prays it. And I think you should pray it even if you don't mean it. I think you should pray it until it changes you. Because the prayer is right. We should long for the return of the Lord. We should long for this big problem to be solved. And not just be content to hang on to this world the way it is. As though there's nothing else coming afterwards. God has a big dream. He has a plan. He has a vision. And he is bringing it to pass with us or without us. But if we will throw ourselves into it, buy into God's big dream, we will see life differently. You know, for example, you know, I'm trying to keep my trying to keep my business from collapsing and and you know, so full of stress, can't sleep at night. But but I could go out of business. Yes, I could go out. Not only could I go out of business, I will go out of business one day. It's going to happen. It's just whether it's going to happen today or it's going to happen in the future. But this clinging to things that cannot be kept alive, it just fills us with so much anxiety. And so we get petty and we fight over all this little stuff. You know, who gets to be the boss of this and who gets what position and who. And it's just because, you know, heaven can wait. We don't really, even as believers, if, if churches really, if everybody in every church really bought into this new mindset, we would hardly have church fights. Because we would just realize this is stupid stuff. It's sort of like if you find out that you've got cancer and six months to live, suddenly everything in your life changes. And I don't mean despair sets in. I mean, you look at it and you think, why in the world have I spent so many years trying to prop this thing up? And why did I fight so hard for that? I want to live. And it's not like if we'll take this new perspective, I prefer to be with the Lord. It's not like we're going to not be any good in the world. I hear people say, so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. And I think that's just not true. You know, that's not going to happen. If you are focused on the Lord, if you're focused on his dream of the new world and you'll get with it and help make it happen, you're going to be awesome to have around on the world. And you're going to love your life. And knowing that all these things are passing away. You know, I'm waiting for peaches to come ripe. And I am hoping to get one before the end of this trip. I am loving the smell of cut grass and the friendships and all that. And I'm loving it. But this is the world that is passing away. And Paul says we need our focus to be on this new world. And we need to learn to prefer this world. Well, I'm working on that mindset. I'm working on the mindset of going all in. And I've seen this in so few others, but they are amazing people. And I want to be amazing too. So let God's big dream for your future draw you to that future. That's all for now. If you're enjoying Thread, please share the podcast with your friends. Use buttons in the player on your screen and check out the free course. Finding the will of God for your life. We're offering that right now 
at MediaLightOnline.com. Media, L-I-D-H-T, online.com. This week, expect God to use you. You're the light of the world, so shine on.